0: Speaking of those pesky Saxon invaders, the medieval historian Geoffrey of Monmouth apparently wasn't a fan. As far as I can tell, none of the Arthurian writers were, lol. There's a story in the histories of the kings of Britain which involves two dragons, a red and a white one, fighting in a pit. The context has Vortigern, the 5th century warlord, whom later writers would dub the King of the Britons, hanging out with Merlin when the dragons show up. And this is what we read. As Vortigern, King of the Britons, was sitting upon the bank of the drained pond, the two dragons, one of which was white, the other red, came forth, and approaching one another, began a terrible fight, and cast forth fire with their breath. But the white dragon had the advantage and made the other fly to the end of the lake. And he, for grief at his flight, renewed the assault upon his pursuer, and forced him to retire. After this battle of the dragons, the king commanded Ambrose Merlin to tell him what it portended, upon which he, bursting into tears, delivered what his prophetical spirit suggested to him, as follows. Woe to the red dragon, for his banishment hastens on. His lurking holes shall be seized by the white dragon, which signifies the Saxons whom you invited over, but the red denotes the British nation, which shall be oppressed by the white. Therefore shall its mountains be leveled as the valleys, and the rivers of the valley shall run with blood. The exercise of religion shall be destroyed, and churches be laid open to ruin. At last, The oppressed shall prevail and oppose the cruelty of foreigners. The History of the Kings of Britain 7-3 Merlin's rallying speech doesn't end there. It's rather long-winded, going on for pages and pages concerning the coming thousand-year winter of the Dark Ages, bemoaning how horrid it will be, because of the Saxon invaders, you see. The Saxons are, of course, represented by the White Dragon, Whereas the Red undoubtedly signifies our past as well as our present short-season controllers. It is the exercise of the religion as well as their churches which were destroyed, but only for a time. Because Merlin's prophecy has the oppressed, that is, worshippers of the Red Dragon, eventually prevailing over the quote-unquote cruelty of the Saxon invaders. And of course, Geoffrey of Monmouth was writing his book while the sons of Yitschak were apparently... Oppressing him. Amazing how his work not only survived, but was hotly celebrated, as were the writings of his Arthurian co authors, whereas the identity of his Saxon oppressors are confused to this very day. You may have noticed how Merlin's full name in this story is Ambrose Merlin. That is because Ambrosius Aurelianus was a war leader of the Romano-British who won an important battle against the advances of the Anglo-Saxons sometime in the 5th century, according to Gildas the Wise. Geoffrey of Monmouth is telling us that Ambrose was not only the brother of King Arthur's father, but that he was also the famed wizard of Arthurian lore. Hold that thought regarding Arthur's parentage, as I intend to return to it before this current exercise is through. Skip several lines down into Merlin's speech, and just look at what is laid out in red ink, why don't you? It shall rain a shower of blood, and a raging famine shall afflict mankind. When these things happen, the Red One shall be grieved, but when his fatigue is over, shall grow strong. Then shall misfortunes hasten upon the White One, and the buildings of his garden shall be pulled down. The History of the Kings of Britain 7-3 The timing of the Saxons' conquest would occur during the 536 event. I have dubbed it the Year of the Fire Reset, when volcanoes popped their cork all over the known realm, shrouding the skies with a mysterious fog, while in other places, entire cities melted. The sun was eclipsed for a whopping 18 months. The fact that all mankind was afflicted with a raging famine we already know about. But then Merlin described blood raining down from the heavens. How biblical is that? Keep reading, though. The Saxons would raise buildings and gardens, which would eventually be pulled down. Oh, gee, it's all too familiar. We've been over this already, time and again. Trampling over the cities of the kingdom is a prophecy attributed to the release of the Watchers. According to Merlin's own confession, The scrubbing of his story is already centuries in the making. The Red Dragon has returned to power and, in far too many cases to recount, his vengeance was unleashed upon the magnificent architecture of the Millennial Kingdom saints. I think you guys know that I absolutely adore the artwork of William Blake. He was also a poet as well as being British. And as you can see, Blake details the Red Dragon in a couple of his illustrations. Well, that's lovely. Who is oppressing whom now? I am no art expert, but if I'm reading these prints correctly, a lovely lady of the court is cruising around the Zodiac, minding her own beeswax, clothed with the sun and the moon at her feet, all dreamlike, when she's mugged in the back alley by you-know-who. Lovely mascot you've got there, Merlin. And of course, who is the dragon at war with but those who guard the Father's commands? Don't believe me? It's in Revelation. And it was given unto him to make war with the Kodashim, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, and tongues, and nations. Revelation 13.7 Some of you already know where I'm going with this, whereas others will jump ahead of the conversation and claim the Kodashim, or rather the saints, are never defined as those who keep the Father's commands, that being the Torah. You've got to keep reading, then. Here is the patience of the Kodoshim. Here are they that guard the commandments of Allah Hayyam and the faith of Yahusha. Revelation 14.12 Name any age, day of the week, or reset. Yasharell is only ever defined as those who obey the Torah, reminding us, of course, of the sons of Yitzhak. The Church of Merlin is starting to sound more and more like that branch of Christianity, or you could even say Paulianity, which says the law has been done away with, thereby allowing them to go about living with the spirit of Antichrist, which is lawlessness. No thank you. Another little detail which the Wizard of Camelot forgot to include was the part where Mikael, or Michael, the protector of the sons of Yitzhak, tosses his ass in the Lake of Fire. Oh, I hope I'm there to see that. As mentioned earlier, Merlin was apparently Arthur's uncle. Geoffrey introduces him into the Historia under the name Aurelius Ambrosius, noting that he was one of the three sons of Constantine III. Constantine III was declared Emperor of Roman Britain in 407 until he was disposed in 411. His son, Constance II, co-reigned at his side, though he too is released of his duty in 411. His father's head was paraded around on a pole, if you must know. Anywho, Merlin was said to be the second son of Constantine III, whereas Arthur's father took up the rear. He went by the name of Uther Pendragon, FYI. Mm hmm. It is pronounced Pen, but then you have to follow the syllables through to Dragon. Uther is a Welsh word which means terrible. Likewise, Pendragon literally means. Chief Dragon or Head Dragon? Kind of awkward. Cain being the literal son of the serpents you already know about. What are they telling us regarding Arthur though? Did the Red Dragon sire yet another child? Arthur's birth begins at Tintagil, a castle which our storytellers claim presently sits in a ruinous heap in southwest Cornwall. What happened is, Pendragon lusted after grain the wife of the Duke of Cornwall. The initial hiccup was due to Egraine being far too virtuous for him. Pendragon then decided to transform, or rather, shapeshift, into Egraine's husband, Gorlois. Committing the deed, however, would come at a hefty price. The child from their union was to be given over to Merlin, an oath which Pendragon agreed to. And so, Merlin transformed Pendragon, or rather, shapeshifted him, into the lady's husband, resulting in the conception of a child. At the moment of his birth, Arthur is said to have given a shout, after which one of the midwives cried, Here is a dragon. He shall be the terror of Britain's foes. Well, that's nice. It's not every day that someone gives birth to a dragon baby. At any rate, Arthur, the son of Pendragon, was raised with the intention of starving off the advances of the white dragon. And what happened? He was mortally wounded in 537, at which time the Sons of Yitchak took over Britain. Recall Merlin's prophecy. The famine which he spoke about was ultimately the oppression of the Red Dragon, whereas the Whites would reign in his stead. Afterwards, the Red would return to trample down the cathedrals as well as the gardens of the foreigners. Some of you might be thinking the White Dragon is still in control then why the hell are our controllers raising the Red Dragon over Wales? It was officially recognized as the Welsh nation flag in 1959. But then it was King Henry VII who raised the Red Dragon at the Battle of Bosworth in 1485, the last significant battle of the War of the Roses, after which he carried it to St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Seems to me like the reign of the Red Dragon had returned, but you never really know. Henry VII might have been colorblind. Henry VII was the first monarch of the House of Tudor, by the way. His successor was none other than Henry VIII, a raise of hands. Who here recalls my Nantios Cup paper? Not many of you, as it wasn't one of my more popular ones. Such a shame, since the brunts of my focus ultimately centered upon the years 1536 to 1540, when Henry VIII went about, quote-unquote, dissolving monasteries, abbeys, nunneries, and friaries. Dissolving is one nice way to describe it, being that there were over 800 of them. And have you seen the ruinous estate? Wiki has an entire list of the monasteries which were quote-unquote dissolved by Henry VIII. I've taken the time to track down pictures of Bassingwork Abbey, Beulieu Abbey, Benham Priory, Bolton Abbey, Bildwiss Abbey, and Byland Abbey in that order. You may have noticed those all began with the letter B, when the list is comprised of A through Z, implying that I have only shown a mere handful of them. Again, in those few short years, King Henry VIII destroyed 800 Millennial Kingdom structures. That's impressive. It's not like foreign invaders took the old battering ram out to these places. They were destroyed from the local controllers. Call them dissolved all you want, but I am detecting a theme on par with the destruction of the old world cities disguised as the world fairs, for starters, like the one they burned down in Chicago. It appears as though the dissolving of the old world kingdom began as soon as it was over. Merlin's prophecy came true after all.